On this episode of Blue 58, the Packers have hired a head coach, and it's Matt LaFleur. What do we make of the hire? Are the Packers bringing in one of the hottest young offensive minds or just reaching for a name associated with some bright offensive minds? Let's try to talk ourselves into the Matt LaFleur hire just before we talk ourselves out of it. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. I'm excited to be with you here tonight. Well, today, whenever you're listening to this, because this coaching search is apparently over. The Packers have their man. It is reportedly Matt LaFleur. By the time you're listening to this, it'll probably be official. The, he is the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans, or the former one, I should say. And now he is going to be taking over the show in Green Bay. I think this went a lot faster than a lot of people, me included, anticipated. I thought the Packers would look to do a second round of interviews, probably with a short list of candidates, and then make a hire maybe later in this week, make an offer later in this week, especially since they were considering at least one candidate, Josh McDaniels, who was still in the playoffs. Apparently, that's not the case. Packers have told everybody else to go home. They're done, and it's going to be Matt LaFleur. So what are the details on Matt LaFleur as we try to process this entire entire move here? He's 39 years old. He's from Mount Pleasant, Michigan. And he most recently, as I said, worked as the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. But that's not the whole of his identity. A lot of what you're going to hear about Matt LaFleur is his connections to two significant people in the NFL, Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. He worked with Kyle Shanahan in Houston. He worked under Shanahan and with McVay in Washington. He worked under Shanahan again in Atlanta. Then he worked under Sean McVay in Los Angeles for a year before he became the offensive coordinator of the Tennessee Titans. He also interviewed to be the head coach of the Tennessee Titans last offseason. That job ultimately went to Mike Vrabel, but uh, LaFleur did get the offensive coordinator job. And he is an offensive coach through and through. He has never been a defensive coach at any level uh, in his coaching journey, a journey which started at Michigan's Saginaw Valley State, home of Jeff Janis and Ruvel Martin, of course, as well. Go Cardinals. After that, uh, LaFleur's coaching journey took him to a few smaller schools. He started at Saginaw Valley State in 2003, just 24 years old. Uh, from there, he spent a couple years at Central Michigan before jumping to Northern Michigan, all the way up in Marquette, Michigan, for a single season. Having been through the UP in the winter, I can understand why he would only want to spend one season at Northern Michigan. He stopped at Ashland for a year before jumping to the NFL at just 29 years old. He was an offensive quality control coach with the Houston Texans in 2008 and 2009 before getting what I guess could be considered his big break when he became the quarterback's coach with the Washington Redskins. He was there from 2010 through 2013, the Mike Shanahan era, uh, before Shanahan was fired, of course. Of course. Uh, then he coached at Notre Dame for a year, where he connected with Deshaun Kaiser. Then it was back to the NFL with Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta, the quarterback's coach for the Atlanta Falcons, was LaFleur's job there. Then, like I said, with the Rams for a year, and now with the Titans for the, for the last year, before ending up as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers. 
Those are the details on LaFleur. That's what we know, the broad strokes so far. And his hiring immediately raises a few questions as well. First and foremost, staff. As we mentioned last week, multiple general managers throughout the NFL have said that staffing is the number one reason that coaches get hired or not. And apparently, LaFleur, according to early reports, are is expected to keep Mike Pettin and the defensive staff. That according to Rob Domovsky. Of course, that leaves quite a few questions on the offensive side of the ball. The person who I'd be most interested in retaining would probably be James Campen. Other than that, it's a little bit ta- little bit of a toss-up. Campen has been with the Packers for a long, long time. He's been super successful in pretty much the entirety of his career as the offensive line coach. Beyond that, I'm not sure a lot of the, the staff stays on because most of them haven't been here that long. Mike McCarthy turned over a lot of the offensive staff last offseason. There were some other departures. There was some firings. There were some demotions that didn't go over so well. I'm thinking of Edgar Bennett there. But most of the offensive staff is relatively new. So you have to see, think that LaFleur is going to do some work there, even if some of the defensive staff, Mike Pettin included, is going to be sticking around. And I would take all of the reports about the coaching staff with a grain of salt at this point. A lot of people tend to kind of be roses on the way end, and then over the next week or so, things start to yeah, maybe not fall apart, but just sort themselves out a little bit closer to the new head coach's vision. Let's wait and see on that. He's almost a member of a coaching staff, but not quite. Uh, The other big question in this equation is Aaron Rodgers. What's Aaron Rodgers going to think of this new head coach who's only between three and four years older than Rodgers? Well, I guess at least four, given that he's 39 and Rodgers is 35, just turned 35 last month. For what it's worth, former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky thinks Rodgers is going to love him. He tweeted, quote, congrats to LaFleur. I've known the dude for 10 plus years now. Played for him twice. I love the hiring. Dude's very bright, very creative, knows how to attack defenses, has had great teaching. And the biggest thing, he's going to coach the heck out of 12 and challenge him daily, end quote. So there's some significant buy-in from at least one former quarterback. How things sort out with Rodgers remain to be seen, depending how much, if anything, of the reports out of Green Bay you believe from last year, there was some or maybe a lot of disconnect between Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. You would hope that Rodgers gets on board with Lafleur pretty early and doesn't just tune him out. I kind of think he will. I kind of think that any issues between Rodgers and McCarthy were probably just the result of being together for too long without anything really changing. There wasn't a lot of adaptation or shifting or anything like that among the Packers' strategy. And when it comes to strategy, a big part of what LaFleur ends up doing is probably going to be centered on his offensive coordinator, which he is going to have to hire. And one would have to think that Zach Taylor, one of his former co-workers from Los Angeles, may be in play for the offensive coordinator job in Green Bay. It's at least a consideration. He's got some connections to LaFleur via Los Angeles, like I said, and the Packers would be able to hire him. It would be a promotion coming over from Los Angeles where Taylor is the quarterback's coach. Finally, there is the question of how much of LaFleur's relatively limited success in Tennessee was personnel related. 
Marcus Mariota is not great and got a little bit beat up this year. Derrick Henry is great, but who really cares if you've got a really great ground and pound kind of running back in 2019? The Titans weren't great on offense this year. How much of it was LaFleur's fault? I don't know if we can answer that right now, but there are some other things we can do related to asking questions about Matt LaFleur. And it kind of comes down to talking yourself into and out of a particular hire. One of the things we really noticed as we've gone through this coaching process, done some polling online about it, is that people have tended to talk themselves into certain candidates as this process has gone along. And Matt LaFleur is a great example. Prior to his interview with the Packers, a lot of people were pretty down on LaFleur. Just 43% of voters in our Twitter poll said that they would approve of him as the next head coach of the Packers. That was seventh among the coaches that we put out polls about. He was, for what it's worth, one of only seven to poll above 40%, but still, 43% is not super great. Post-interview, though, he jumped to 72% approval, second behind only Josh McDaniels. That is the second highest jump for any candidate reportedly interviewing for the job. Josh McDaniels jumped 34% from 53 to 87. Lafleur jumped from 43 to 72. Second biggest jump. Math is not that hard. But here's the even more important thing. After the hire, in our rapid reaction poll we sent out tonight, as of this recording, 89% of voters say they approve of Lafleur as the next head coach of the Packers. He has more than doubled his approval rating since we first put his name out there as a potential head coach of the Packers. People are talking themselves into him. So let's do that both ways. Let's try to talk ourselves into Matt LaFleur, and then we'll try to talk ourselves out of him a little bit too before kind of coming to a bottom line sort of conclusion here. Talking ourselves into Matt LaFleur. First, I think there is a lot to like about his focus on explosive plays. He wants to figure out how the Packers can generate more of them, and really his offense just in general. And he thinks it starts with the running game. When the Titans hired him last year, he did an extensive sit-down interview with the Titans media staff, talked about his philosophy and what he likes to do. He gave a pretty revealing answer about the kind of offense that he likes to generate. I'll read you the whole thing here. Quote, it is extremely difficult to dink and dunk all the way down the field. The defenses are just too good. If you look at it, statistically, the teams that are getting the chunk plays, the explosive plays, those are the teams that are going to produce more yards, more points. Ultimately, the yards don't matter. So you have to score enough points. And I've been fortunate in my career to have been around some really good play callers, starting with Gary Kubiak and then going with Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. And that was always at the forefront of our minds. How can we create explosive plays? There's always going to be a foundation. And the foundation really starts with our running game and how we tie the pass game to our running game. We want to keep defenses off balance. We have to keep them guessing. If you have plays that start out looking the same that are different, it keeps the defense guessing, end quote. A focus on offenses, or big plays on offense, rather, would be good. Uh, The Packers really struggled to create explosive plays down the stretch this season. And yes, we don't really know what Lafleur describes as an explosive play, but for the purposes 
of our exercise here, um, we'll just use our definition of explosive plays. We track these all season. Explosive plays in our measurements were runs of at least 12 yards or passes of at least 16 yards. And through week 10, the Packers are doing okay. They were averaging 7.8 per game. Uh, up uh, Close to 8 per game is pretty good. There were quite a few games where they were over 8. 7.8 is not too bad. But down the stretch, when things really got important for the Packers, when it was win or go home, they were averaging just 6.28 per game during weeks 11 through 17. So it's not super great. And if LaFleur can figure out ways to generate more offensive explosion, that would be good. And I think what you saw from Aaron Rodgers last year was an attempt by him to sort of force some explosive plays into the offense. The West Coast offense that Mike McCarthy ran was kind of designed to dink and dunk your way down the field. That's what the West Coast offense kind of does. Trying to be efficient, try to just hit the open guys and Take what the defense gives you and get the ball down the field. But in 2018 and now into 2019, that's kind of not where the offense needs to be anymore. Most offenses are really high octane and trying to and focused on trying to get big chunks of yardage. And if Lafleur is as good as his word, that's what the Packers will be trying to do here. Getting big chunk plays, it should be noted, is not necessarily just about firing the ball down the field. It's about putting your players in position where they can get a lot of yards at a time. Sometimes that is going to come through deep throws, but other times it's just going to come down to scheming ways to get guys into open areas of the field. An eight-yard pass where a guy runs for another 15 yards is just as good as a pass that picks up 21 yards in the air. It doesn't matter how those 21 yards come, it's just that you're getting them. So don't think of explosive plays as just necessarily throwing the ball deep down the field, although that would be fun to see more of. And I think had the Packers gone with Todd Munkin, who according to Ian Rappaport was their number two choice, that's probably what we would have seen. Lafleur may not necessarily be that guy. It should also be noted that Lafleur has some significant connections to some of the most explosive offenses in the NFL, starting, as he mentioned in that quote, with Gary Kubiak, who is an underrated offensive guy in his own right. But then you've got Kyle Shanahan, probably the second biggest offensive darling, just because he can't do Sean McVay's memory parlor tricks, and he probably would be getting a little bit more press this year had his quarterback not gotten hurt this year. Uh, which resulted in San Francisco kind of falling off a cliff. And then you've got Sean McVay, of course, the uh, hottest of the hot young offensive minds in the NFL. Finally, hiring Lafleur is very similar to what other recent winners in the NFL have have done, most specifically that team to the south, the Chicago Bears. Gary found this interesting stat. On January 8th of 2018, the Bears hired 38-year-old offensive coordinator Matt Nagy, who retained defensive coordinator Vic Fangio in Chicago. On January 7th, 2019, 2019, the Packers hired 39-year-old Matt LaFleur, who apparently is going to retain Mike Pettin. Maybe things will work out just as well for the Packers as they did for the Bears this year. So that's the good stuff. That's talking ourselves into Matt LaFleur, a young, 
bright offensive guy who does a lot of good things for your offense, allegedly, and who comes from some well-respected coaching stock. But on the flip side, you can use a lot of the same arguments about LaFleur to talk yourselves out of him. Most notably, the idea that the Packers could just be reaching for a trend. When we talked through all the coaches the Packers were bringing in for an interview, we broke everybody down into two candidates, candidate or two categories rather, candidate or interview. We said candidates were guys who were real contenders for the job. Interviews were guys that the Packers were just talking to. And I categorized LaFleur as just an interview, potentially as an offensive coordinator. A reasoning was what about him to this point of his career says, yep, that's a head coach. He doesn't have a reputation as a big innovator on offense, and he's had relatively limited success in his first big-time gig. And by big-time, I mean one where he actually is in charge of calling the plays. He's done some good things with Atlanta and with Los Angeles, but he was not the play caller there. And it could be that the Packers are just reaching for a branch from the McVay or Shanahan trees. Further, in our preview of LaFleur, I compared him, I think fairly accurately, to Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, And I'll read you what I wrote there. Quote, can another Andy Reid, another branch of Andy Reid's coaching tree really produce another head coach? And could Bieniemy really do the job after never really being more than a running backs coach at the NFL level pr- prior to this year? I'm wary of that same idea with LaFleur, who, like Bieniemy, has worked under some great coaching names, but how much of LaFleur's success can you credit to him? Some people more familiar with his coaching history have argued, perhaps not that much. LaFleur was reportedly underwhelming enough in Atlanta that he really didn't get a shot at the offensive coordinator gig there after Kyle Shanahan left to San Francisco. And despite a promotion to offensive coordinator in Los Angeles, he never called the plays there. The first time he got full control over an offense was in Tennessee, and we've detailed how poorly that's gone. So really, what is Matt LaFleur as a coach? I don't know, but I think there's enough merit to some of these facts to wonder if he's really ready for a head coaching job, end quote. I think all of that criticism sticks, and the reference I made there to Atlanta not loving him comes from an article from the Falcoholic.com, SB Nation's Atlanta Falcons blog. They broke down, kind of in the wake of his departure and Steve Sarkeesian not doing super well, filling in, they broke down kind of what the the Falcons could have done differently and asked why they let him get away. And according to D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, who they quote in this piece, the Falcons just weren't impressed with what he did and would rather have brought on Steve Sarkeesian, who was never an offensive coordinator or offensive coach in the NFL, to do the job that Kyle Shanahan had just vacated. So maybe LaFleur was just not a great fit there, but maybe a team that knew him pretty well just wasn't that impressed and didn't want to do, uh, didn't want to give him a shot at the job. That's certainly very possible. Also, despite his connections to these big offensive names, the Titans really weren't that impressive on offense this year. And we did point out some issues with their personnel that may have held them back a little bit. In addition to issues at uh, quarterback and running back, they really didn't have much to speak of at receiver. 
there's just not a lot going on there in Tennessee. And it didn't seem, at least from the outside, that the Titans necessarily maximized what they had. Maybe having poor players on offense lowers your ceiling, but it doesn't seem like Lafleur did a lot to raise the ceiling either. So, maybe that's some legitimate criticism. The raw numbers don't paint a super inspiring picture, though. The Titans were 25th in yards on offense this year, 27th in points, 27th in points. The rushing game was good, but again, in 2019, running is not necessarily your answer on offense. They also ended up just 20th in net yards per attempt. They were 31st in passing attempts, which would seem like a reasonable explanation for driving down some of their passing numbers, but net yards to it per attempt just judges how much you're creating when you do pass the ball. And coming in 20th is obviously bad. Then you've got the advanced numbers like DVOA. They were the 22nd ranked overall offense. They were 16th in passing offense, top 10 in rushing, but not super exciting there either. So if you want to talk yourself out of Matt LaFleur, the arguments are there as well. What's the bottom line? John, how should I feel about Matt LaFleur? Personally, this is not lighting my hair on fire. I am not overly excited by the LaFleur hiring. I'm not overly turned off by it either. He may not have the exciting offensive background or the Super Bowl rings of a Josh McDaniels. And he doesn't have the kind of laser light show offense that Todd Munkin has had the last couple of years with Tampa Bay. But there are some good things to like there too. I wish he was a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, but on the whole, I guess pretty fine. Don't hate it. Don't love it. Got to wait and see. And really, I think waiting and seeing is probably the best course of action anyway. I think it's okay if you're a fan that's a little bit underwhelmed by the feeling of finding out that the new head coach is is Matt LaFleur. If you're too high or too low, maybe give it a couple days. Maybe let him talk to the media, see what he says there. Maybe wait until you know training camp rolls around and see what happens there. But I think at least right now it's okay to be like, eh, I'm not, not really sure. Uncertainty is fine. And we can navigate through this together. And there's a lot of interesting questions that are going to be answered over the next few days and weeks. And we will be here to help you sort through that um, right here at Blue58 and thepowersweep.com the entire time. Hey, could I ask you one question before before we leave? If you've liked what we've done with this coaching search stuff, if you've liked the podcast that we put together, could you tell one of your friends about us? Share this podcast with somebody who might benefit from it. Share one of our articles on Facebook or the social media platform of your choice. Tell somebody to subscribe to our show. I would really appreciate that personally, and I think that would help all of us become, like I always say, smarter Packers fans. That's all I've got for you on this episode. We'll check in later this week and see what the Packers have done in the meantime, now that they have a new head coach, former offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans, Matt LaFleur. Let's see what this 39-year-old can do. Thank you very much for listening. I'm John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58. Blue 58!